You're listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm excited. Yeah, well, but who are you, though? <laughs> oh, I'm here. You gotta tell us who you are. I'm yeah, here. we're very excited because today on the show, this week, we are talking about one of our favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future. <sighs> Understatement. Understatement. Understatement? How can Understatement. you be? How can it be an understatement that it's one of our favorite movies? It is. Just, it's it's just so good that I there are no words to describe for me. Like yeah. I'm not gonna be quiet in this whole podcast because I can't say words for it. Oh, oh well, don't be quiet okay, in the maybe, podcast. Maybe I'll lie. Well, we, uh, need, we need your input. Released in 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, and others. Back to the Future is about a high school uh, boy. The high school kind of, I don't know, he's hes not really into any crowd. No. Nope. He's not a popular kid, not a jock, not a... He's his own thing. He's his own, he's he's his his own, own thing. thing. <laughs> what is that? David Pumpkins. He's his own, own thing. thing. Uh, who hangs out with a crazy mad scientist on the weekends, I guess. <laughs> and they yada, 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 there's a time machine and they go back in time. Everybody knows the plot of the Back to the Future, so I'm not going to go any deeper than that. I've never seen Fair. it. Yeah. Two things happened in 1985. This movie got got released. Yeah. And I was born. No, that's 1955. Oh. That's 1950. They go back in time to the year. Yeah. Oh, fuck both of you. So. You can bleep that out. So you're you're as old as Back to the Future. Yeah, sure. How does that feel? It feels damn How does it feel to be like not even the top most important thing? That was me. It was, yeah, yeah. No, I. You, you can eat shit. I just. So, I'm going to make this comparison in a weird way. What is with this show and weird comparison? I'm not. It'll make, it'll make sense. So, this is our, what, fourth movie series now? I don't know. I think it's episode 11. Okay. Whatever that equals out to. Star Wars. Star Wars, Ocean's Eleven, Ace Ventura. Okay, so this is fifth. Okay, so this is our fifth one. Um, I think this is fourth. No, you're forgetting Ace Ventura. No, I didn't. Ace. I, I said Ace Ventura. Star Wars, Ace. It doesn't matter. It's one of them. Yeah. So. This is five. Ah. This is five. Oh, never mind then. Um, X-Files. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, that series. A lot of these movies that we've done, we grew up watching as kids. Or like high school or whatever. They're older. Uh, this was the movie that I watched a lot as a kid. And so was Ace Ventura. And I was cons- and I have seen Back to the Future more than I have Ace Ventura. So I know that it still holds up. But after seeing Ace Ventura for the first time in a long time and knowing how much I loved it as a kid, I was concerned that going in to watch this movie on a more analytical basis <laughs> is not going to hold up. And it did. And I was so happy because I was worried that this. How can you be afraid that this is gonna this is not gonna hold up when you watch it at least once a year? Because of Ace Ventura. But you don't watch that that often. I know, but the fear was there. We just recently went through the whole Back to the Future Day thing a couple years ago. But the the fear was still there. Just because I I always watch them, and I get transported as a fan. And I, and I don't watch them analytically. I watch yeah. them as a fan. So going into it, I was thinking, oh, man, please don't let this just be another nostalgia thing. No, it was so... It's just a good movie. It's how, just a good movie. How'd you feel when you rewatched it this week? I actually rewatched it twice. Wow! Oh, wow! Wow! Owen Wilson's here. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! Hey, Owen. <laughs> wow. No. Um, The first time I watched it this week, it... 
it felt just as good as when I watched it the second time. <laughs> this this movie is like I want to say this movie is as close to perfect as I can think. This yeah. really is a perfect movie because when you think about it for a second, it has all the right elements right. And, and everything. The plot is so tight knitted and it's so just well constructed. It's really one of the most well constructed movies ever. And it's very, it's brilliantly written. So it I'm sh- brilliantly written. I'm sure that we'll just kind of weave in and out of this. But also, Garrett and I today also watched the Back in Time documentary. That is amazing. You've seen it too. Okay, good. I have seen it. Uh, we watched it for the first time this morning. And it's mentioned in there several times the idea that this is a perfect movie. What's it and on? It's on Netflix right now. Okay. Uh, and I don't remember who, it was, was it Thompson? Mm-hmm. Leah Thompson? Leah Thompson. Who said that the Back to the Future screenplay is often used in in writing courses yeah. to give an example of this is the perfect screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh that's a I don't have much argument there. I, I think the screenplay is good. I think there are some things that keep the movie from being perfect. Mhm. But the script is solid. The script is very solid. They, I, go ahead. No, no, no. Go they ahead. do such a good job of the through the whole movie setting it up and paying attention to the details, and the one that gets pointed out the most is when the the at the beginning of the movie it's Twin Pines Mall, and then at the end of the movie it's Lone oh, Pine Mall right. because they knocked over that tree. Yep, um, they do things like that throughout the whole damn thing, and it's just so. I'm trying to find. I took some notes, and I'm trying to find more examples. Yeah, for the sake of for the sake of consistency, since I think we'll have a lot to say on this episode, let's focus on the script portion right now. Okay, Does that sound fair. Sure. That's fine, and then we'll move from there. Yeah, uh, it does have a lot of lot of key points like that 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 are back referenced, and you see the same kind of thing a lot throughout um, the 1985 and 1955 timeline. Um, you, I mean, when Marty goes back in time, the mall parking lot is a field, and he yep. hits the uh, the yep. scarecrow, and he goes into the barn. Mm-hmm. Old man Peabody owned all that, <laughs> yeah. Right. And then the Lion Estates where mm-hmm. he lives. They do a good job of showing it as um, whenever he's in 1985, it's this tired, disgusting kind of a thing. But they don't really mention it. You just yeah. see Lion Estates. And then in 1955, whenever he's going around into it, like whenever he just gets there, you see that they're just now building it, yeah. looking at it. And so, it, it, and it, but again, they don't mention it. So it's just another thing to reinforce. It too is a field. Right. And, and they just, um, you know, even though the one pellet of plutonium is one trip, they did a good job of making sure that you knew without him taking that back, he cannot get back. You cannot use it on multiple turns. So they just, they continually answered all these questions that you might have that come up. Do y'all remember when we got to see the Lion Estate sign? Yes. yes. Oh my God. Yeah. On the Universal Studios Backlot Tour. In in California, you you see the Lion Estates like neighborhood entrance. <laughs> that was really neat. They, they, when you, when I saw like what is that little square that's there? It's got the clock tower. Um, I don't remember the name of the but square. But anyway, that the Back to the Future square where all that was filmed, it just brings back chills. Yeah, it really does. And it, uh, one thing I want to say about the structure of it is how they how like in the very beginning, whenever he's riding through the town. Whenever he's riding through the town, he sees everybody. He's riding on the back of the Jeep, and you see the entire town square. And then he's back in 1955, and everything has changed. The clock tower's working. Uh, you know, 
everybody's dressed like they're in the 50s. The cars are different. The stores are different. Yeah. All of that is just so well constructed. Yeah, it's neat. It's very neat. I noticed, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but in the in that square, the town square, um, it is in the shape of a flux capacitor. Fun fact. If you look at it from the sky, it's got like... The, it's a wild. Are you shape. making that up? No, I swear to God, I just noticed it because in the Back to the Future docu- documentary, they talked to some fans who did like a, I don't remember what it's called, but they do this recreation of movies. It's like a, supposed to be a full on experience, and they did Back to the Future, and they happened. I happened to notice that the the town square was in the shape of a Y, like the flux capacitor, and it had the the fields on either side separating it I'm like looking, a sidewalk. I'm looking this And up. so I made a point to look at it in the movie and it was like that. Interesting. So there Interesting. was that. Um, I really, I wrote down some of the scripting lines that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I still want to keep us on the script. So um, what I really enjoyed was whenever uh, Marty was hit by the car and he's acting weird with the family <laughs> and it, his grandfather Say after he left and acts is is acting weird. He says, "Idiot, up, up, idiot, upbringing. Parents probably are idiots too." Lorraine, if you ever have a kid that acts that way, I'll disown you. Just those little <laughs> lines like that are so clever because you already know the answers, so they're playing on these things, and it's just so <laughs> brilliantly good. It really is. I'm trying to think of another line that like I, I really loved in that movie. Just. Whenever he was describing the first time he met Doc in 1955, and he's trying to tell him, you know, I'm from the year 1985. I need your help to get back. And he's saying, you know, well, who's president? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald the Reagan? actor. The actor. Well, who's the vice president? Jerry Lewis. There's so. all kinds of great uh, uh, quotable lines from the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, these. this is a movie that has plenty of lines that people quote often. Oh, yeah. Uh, great Scott. Obviously, a, a normal, uh, a somewhat common expression, but I think a lot of people hearken it back to Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I often describe things as heavy. Yeah, that's yeah. heavy. Oh, heavy. Yeah, that was. Is, is there kind of problem with the gravitational pull oh, in the yeah. future? <laughs> so, just while, because it was brought up, I'm going to show you a, a model scale of the town square. So, as you can see, there's two sidewalks coming out of here, and then it shoots right back up. Oh my God, it's true. All right, all right, all right. We'll see. I mean, they've got all of I'll think here. about it. I'll allow it. Conspiracy. Uh, there's so many. When, so there's 80, when this thing yeah, when is 80, baby, it's 80 miles per hour. You're going to see some serious shit. Yeah. yeah. That is the, the, the line that is super noticeable. Uh-huh. Um, I, but the scripting, I want to go back because... They even do a good job. 1.21 gigawatts. Oh, yeah. Nobody said that. That's always a good one. Mm. But they even do a good job of explaining time travel. And I had to think about this for a second because it confused me, but then I understood it. And and I might go through the same cycle again. So when they send Einstein back the first time, they have those clocks synced. So in my brain, I got it whenever he was like, he skipped over this minute and it was instantaneous, so his clock is a minute behind mm-hmm. Doc Brown's. Yeah, and I didn't fully understand it because I was—I th- guess I think I—I I got confused thinking that he he would just jump, so the clock would also jump. But they made the clocks on a consistent time frame. Yeah, so they made it make sense, and then 
when they're explaining it in 1955, they make it seem like it's just plausible that it could happen in this realistic world that they have. Like, a lot of time travel movies are fantasy-based, and obviously this is because it's a time travel movie. Yeah. But it's in a regular world, so I feel like they did a good job of making you feel like it's possible and could happen in real-world scenarios. Yeah. That's tough for time travel. Well, and the other thing is they didn't make it... They didn't make it... They made it, like, a little... They didn't make it too technical. They made it technical enough to where you can understand it, but not too technical to where it's just like, okay, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Right. And I, and that's what I love about it. That's what I love about the writing of it is that it's, it's, it's almost very simple whenever it comes out. The, the finished product it almost looks very simple. It looks like it looks like it was written in a day, which, of course, is not the case. But Steven Spielberg said that it was the greatest time travel movie ever put on film. I agree. I think I said fact right after he said that. Yep. Yeah. I can't think of a better time travel movie. I honestly don't. Well, it's know. just it's fun. Yeah, it doesn't a, get tied up in the minutia of time travel. It's very timeless. Because, I mean, we talk about they make it easy to understand somewhat. But I think that's really because they kind of don't explain it at all. Like, Doc, Doc Brown hits his head and thinks of the flux capacitor. And then that's really the most of the explanation we get. Mm-hmm. We don't really understand how the plutonium works. Right. No. Or how the plutonium ties into the computer where he can just put in it. Like, they don't explain that. We well, just know well, plutonium plus... The, the perfect speed of 88 miles per hour mm-hmm. makes time travel happen. I mean, and that's enough. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't need to. I, I feel as if. You don't need the, the yeah, you don't. You don't need all that. You don't need all that stuff like, to explain it. We already know time travel is not possible yeah. in that in that way for mm-hmm. certain. I guess we don't know. Maybe someday. But not like that. I'm working so on it. So we don't need to be. You don't. The, the script doesn't need to take time trying to convince us that it's possible. We've already accepted that. In this world, it is. I'm trying to make it like my toaster go back in time. It's not working. Well, now, why would you do that? Because you just want your toast to go back in time? I want... I, I, I want to eat my toast. I want my wallet to go back Maybe in time. Maybe somewhere full, full in 1955, <laughs> this room is just filling with your toast. Oh, hell yeah. That'll work. <laughs> anyway. at, least at least we won't be hungry. <laughs> uh, any, anybody got favorite characters? Uh, and let's let's try to refrain from Doc and Marty. Okay. Because I think there are a lot of great characters in this movie. I honestly... Okay. I really liked uh, George. George is... That's fair. And the reason, why George, the reason why I love George is because the old George... Like, like, the George in 1955 was really one of my favorite characters because he just... He just kind of came into his own. Mm-hmm. Like he really is like one of the central characters. I mean, he's probably one of the central characters of the movie because really, if anything, Marty's saving his own dad. Like he's like he's helping his dad out, and in the end, George like George actually empowers himself, and I think that's just uh, like I think it's awesome. And he like he ended up kicking ass in the very in the towards the very end. Yeah, and and Crispin Glover does a good job of embodying that character. And it's really interesting to see Marty's relationship with his father when they're the same age. And yeah. Marty gets this idea of, "Wow, my dad really was a loser kind of guy. Yeah. I need to help him out." Yeah, and that's a cool dynamic. That's mm-hmm. a cool father son dynamic. Much better than the mother son dynamic that they have in the movie, which was yeah a little controversial. So, I- so in the back in time documentary, Bob Gale talks about the interaction between the son and his father. He said that the movie kind of came about whenever he was going through his father's yearbooks and saw his 
dad was like a class president or something like that and was like, I wonder what it would be like to go back and be in high school with my dad. What would that experience be like? And so I feel like that, and I think he said that is kind of how the movie kind of got its start to become to where it was. So that's a really interesting dynamic to explore. Like, what would you do if you got to see your parents? Yeah. As we all know, they're like, you know, everybody has these preconceived notions as a kid of your parents. They're these old fuddy-duddies who don't know anything. They're just trying to keep me down. Angsty teen, angsty teen. But then as you get older and you, you learn more about your family, then you know, you understand that they were also in your shoes, so they get it. And so that's kind of an interesting uh, way to learn yeah. and, and think about things. So I, I really, I really liked there. I think one of my favorite scenes is in the diner whenever Marty had just gone back in time <clears throat> and he's sitting at the counter and you just see them both yeah, they're sitting bro- at the counter. They're you both doing the know, same pose. You don't know it's George yet, but they're just sitting the same way. And then you learn it's George and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a really good moment. I think it's like really, I think it's like kudos on Robert Zemeckis for his direction because, you know, it's just, it's all, if anything, like the movie is all about revealing and, that just just that one reveal right there I was again brilliant like it was very perfect in that sense so yeah I totally agree with you what about you do you have a favorite character uh in this one I really I really like the optimism of Goldie Wilson how he is confident he's gonna be the mayor once Marty tells him in the in the uh soda fountain shop now here's a kicker here's a kicker what is it because of Marty that he's gonna now going to become mayor? Yeah, that's the implication. Yeah, that, that it's kind of a, a circle, circular type thing. Yeah, um, Marty says, "That's right, you're going to be mayor." Yeah, of course. Then if then it's, we get into the complications of time travel. Yeah, which is like the space time continuum. But then who who motivated Goldie to be mayor before Marty went back in time, mm-hmm. or was he always back in time? Yeah, so. I have I'm doing a hand motion. This is a question that I pose every time that I talk about Back to the Future, and it's on the same plane. Johnny, be good. Okay. Now, listen. This I took issue with this earlier when we discussed. Yes. So this will be fun. So Johnny, be good. Chuck Berry okay. wrote it. Okay. Marty McFly, nineteen eighty-five. Chuck Berry already exists. That song is a thing. He goes back into nineteen fifty-five. And plays Johnny B. Good. While he is playing Johnny B. Good, Marvin Berry, Chuck Berry's cousin, calls him on the phone and says, I got that new sound you're listening to. So this poses a circular question of curiosity as to who stole that song. Because... Marty. No. Yes. Not in this new timeline. No, still he still stole it. He stole it, but so did Chuck Berry. Nah, because he can't have heard the whole song when he was on the phone. But he heard enough. It's the same song. Like, he wrote the same thing. Like, Marvin Berry... Okay, then Marvin Berry stole it and gave it to Chuck. But somebody technically stole it from Marty because yeah. they had never heard it. That's the first time. And it's just coincidence that Chuck Berry would take credit for this song that is his but also was stolen by someone he heard play it because it's not his at that point in time. But no one was in there recording what was being heard. But that's So he matter. still would have had to have created the words and the lyrics on his own. No, because they heard... Where did he hear it? Marvin. Marvin didn't memorize the whole song on he first listen. That's have. bullshit. He that is bullshit. Have. You don't know. That's bullshit. There, I, a, no one memorizes the words on first listen. Andrew does. 
Way down in Louisiana. Stop it. You've heard that song for 50 years. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I just think that's an interesting question. It's a, it's a circular thing. It's a it, it's a question. He heard over. his own song. He, he heard his own song and he copied it. he literally it. never heard before. And then he stole it. Now, you can't steal when you only heard a little bit of. Now, now, here, now here's the other thing, too. Is that one, when did... When did Marvin Berry call Chuck? Like toward did, the end of the song, when he couldn't song. have heard the beginning. That's but number Marvin and that, the other bands did. That that's number one. Number two, what he heard was. And a different- on top of that, keep your thought. The whole band except Marty was improvising because they were told to. Still, but the lyrics and stuff, like maybe the music, that's fine. But like the lyrics. I don't know. But like, I don't know. But like, what do you? I don't hearing? believe for a second that Marvin could. I'm gonna let you finish. But there is no way <laughs> Marvin memorized the entire song on first listen when he was also thinking, "This is so amazing. I have to call Chuck now." So it's just where he left the stage during the song to call his cousin, cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Cousin, and tell him you gotta hear this. And then he heard it. No, it's no. It's not. This is less possible than time travel. So it's it, just coincidental that Mar- that Chuck Berry would come up with the every single word that he heard. No, it's not a coincidence. Uh, That's uh, okay. what happens. Okay. Okay. It, anything he would have written would become that well, because that's what it is in the present day. Uh, uh, slow down, race brand. He completed his own <laughs> destiny. <laughs> After he heard somebody else sing it. No, he didn't hear them sing it. He heard them say he held the phone out. No, he didn't hear them sing it. I'm going to go get myself a piece of pie. So <laughs> This is not possible. Yes, it is. Pie is possible. No. Okay. It's a question I like to pose. This is what I had to say. This is what I have to say about that. Is that he heard part of a song that was... He heard part of a song that was... Uh, a little different Real from Johnny from 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 Johnny Be Good because it went all heavy metal towards the end. All right. Now we know that if you guys have ever listened to Johnny Be Good, if you guys have ever listened to Johnny Be Good, it's not metal at all. And there's there's actually an end to the song. So maybe he took a little bit of inspiration from that and said, "Oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and use this because it's called t- stealing." But, but it was but, his the whole time. But 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 but. but Nobody claimed it. But if you steal your own thing, even if you didn't know it, it's still not theft. It's your thing. <laughs> you can't steal your own thing. But he didn't know it was his own thing. It doesn't matter. It's okay. still his. He stole it from Marty. You can't steal what's yours. He stole it from Marty. Help me. <laughs> he stole it from Marty. Hold on. No. No, 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 Marty no, 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 no. Literally on. plagiarized the song on stage. Hold on. <laughs> he stole it from Marty. Who Marty stole it from Chuck. Yeah, I'm not debating the fact that Marty stole it. But I'm saying in this new timeline, Chuck Berry kind of stole it. This is like quantum physics right now. We just entered a whole new realm. But this, this, no, it's not, there's not a separate timeline. It's not that kind of time travel movie. It's all the same timeline. (laughs) That's why Marty starts to disappear. That's true. I need to think for a second. Gotta marinate on this anger that you're feeling. Your face turned bright red. This is why I like. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this. This is why I like to pose this question because probably it's always wait, a, woken up all the neighbors. It's always a fun discussion. <sighs> it's <am>. like 
It's like 1.30 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> Where do we even go from here? All right, all right. I say we. It's like I don't know. It's like saying that Marty is his own kid because because he's responsible for his birth by setting up his own parents. So he stole his own parents. That doesn't make sense. It's the same concept. He brought something back to the present or back in time to make it come to fruition in the present. He exists because he went back in time. Johnny Be Good exists because he went back in time. As well as, uh, who is it? The mayor. He is the mayor because he went back in time. Mm-hmm. He's messing with the space-time <laughs> continuum. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm hungry. How about you? This is my favorite discussion because that's I love that. This is exactly why I love this discussion. Okay. Um, can we talk about how much of an asshole Biff is? Oh, he's a straight-up asshole. This dude might be one of the worst characters in movie history. He's a bully. He's a damn near rapist. And he is just absolute garbage of a human being. And you don't really... Like, you know that he's a bad dude when you watch it as a kid, but, like, knowing all of these things that he does... And I know it's 1955, but that doesn't excuse anything. Like, Biff is a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, he's a piece of shit. And he I'm gets covered in it. Yeah. And he gets covered in shit. And I'm, I'm going to go back. If you haven't seen the Back in Time documentary, go watch it. It's so good. Yeah. There, Michael J. Fox tells a story about, or I guess it's a combination story with Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And they talk about how at the one of the premieres, they watched it with the royal family. Wow. The royal family went to the premiere, and Michael J. Fox was sitting next to to Princess Diana. Wow. And Christopher Lloyd was there as well, obviously, and he started talking about um, that scene. And they were like, oh, she would laugh and kind of chuckle from time to time. And then when Biff got covered in the manure, she just lost it. Like, uncontrollable laughter, like all the dignified thing that she was supposed to be just left. And I'm trying to find the quotes because it's really funny. Um, But Michael J. Fox was like, he was one fake yawn and an arm reach away from being on a date with Princess Di. And then he called her smoking hot. (laughs) So it's very funny. Okay. If you haven't watched it. And you learn a lot. So it's very interesting. That's funny. You threw me off completely. I'm all gone. I'm still thinking about this song. <laughs> We're trying to get back on track here. What about, okay. I don't even know. No, I don't bring it anymore. up anymore. I don't even know where we are anymore. We're just talking about, you know, versus Diana and Michael J. Fox. <sighs> that story's pretty much over. What else we got? The conspiracy theory. Of what? Oh, oh sh- my God. The- I don't know that I can handle it. <laughs> okay, so before you tell it, let me give the, the, the backstory of when we were at, uh, where were we at the other night? Um, when you brought this up? Release party. We were, at, we were at Soul City. We were at a bar in Tulsa the other night. 
And Andrew brought up this conspiracy that exists of Back to the Future and 9-11 yep. somehow. And I immediately shut him down because I didn't, did not want to hear it until this very moment when I could hear it on record. Okay. Because I don't know what you're about to say, and I can't imagine it's not insane. Okay. So, um, this video can be found on YouTube because this is where I found it. And I looked at it. It came out. It came out a few days after the October 15th, 2015 date. And that's Back to the Future 2. But basically what the basically what the uh, the conspiracy theory is, is that Robert Zemeckis was trying to warn America and the world, really, about 9-11 because he's using Back to the Future as a as a tool to tell everybody 30 years from like however many years from uh, whenever 9-11 happened that it is going to happen. And he's using film as a bridge. Now the correlation, the correlation here is this, is that one is uh, one is, is that there's a reference to 9-11 there's a reference to 9/11 in the movie where it just says nine and then eleven, and it's towards the end as the towards the end as after uh, he gets he goes back to 1985, you see the the streaks of fire, and then there's like a neon sign that says nine. This so is nine eleven. Stupid. Now, now hang on, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. The other one is the for other- the record before you continue. I just feel like it's important to let people know that you don't. Believe in this one, right? No. Okay. I think this one is a little far-fetched. I'm just trying to explain as best as I could understand. Like, the Twin Pines Mall is another thing, because the Twin Pines Mall was supposed to represent the Twin Towers. And if you look at the time, whenever Marty first arrives, it says 116. If you flip that upside down, it says 911. Whenever he comes back, it's a Lone Pine Mall, which... As we all know in the movie, gets knocked down, and the current place of the World Trade Center right now is one World Trade Center, where it's just a single tower. Okay, so the other thing here is the other thing here is, and it, it caught my eye a little bit that like when they made Back to the Future Two. Now this goes to Back to the Future Two. Whenever he was wearing, when he comes down at the very end of it, whenever he comes down the road and he's wearing the black leather jacket and the red shirt he says he's back from the future if you watch the movie The Walk which was made in 2015 which was released in October 2015 there is uh, like there's a lead character in that movie the lead character in that movie is wearing almost the exact same thing and it kind of looks like Michael J. Fox to an extent so, there's... What does that got to do with anything? This is so stupid. That's my point that I'm trying you to get across. You mean to tell me a movie that was made in 2015 took inspiration from a movie that was made in the 80s? Yeah. That went to future? Like, they're aware that this is... a th- like, like, people have seen the movie at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. This sounds like a series of lame coincidences. Yeah. That people are trying to string together. This is kind of what, it, like, towards the end of the video, it gets very trippy. So, that's what I saw. I mean, it's, 
I find conspiracy theories fun. <laughs> I think they're fun. And they're, you know, they're fun to kind of just listen to see what they come up with. It's actually kind of creative. But uh, there's stuff out there that's a little bit more eerie. Like, I'm not going to get into The Simpsons right now because <laughs> that whole thing is a, it's, its own thing. But... Um, no, this one was just like kind of fun. It was a little eerie how they put it all together, but other than that, it's just a theory. I don't know about that, man. Hmm. I don't know about that. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to agree with it. I don't agree with it. So that sounds like some silliness. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, moving on about how great this movie is, and I, I again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference this because that's where my, most of my notes came from. In this Back in Time documentary, they talk about the history of the movie and how it was made. Um, or how it got to be made. And at one point in time, they were talking about, they were trying to shop it to a bunch of different studios. Mm. And um, Columbia was the one that was interested in, in it originally. And then, and I could be misinterpreting the story a little bit, so if I'm wrong, you won't know unless you've seen the Back to the Back in Time documentary. Um, but like Coca-Cola ended up somehow being getting involved in Columbia and they couldn't quite agree on the movie aspect of things. And so Back to the Future got dropped. Yeah. So they were shipping it out to a bunch of different studios and all the other studios were like, eh, it's too sweet. You should try Disney. And then they go to another one and it was like, eh, it's too sweet. You should try Disney. It's too sweet. You should try Disney. So finally they were like, fine, we'll go talk to Disney. And they go, they were talking about how when they pitched it to Disney, the Disney rep looked at them like they were crazy yeah. because of the incestual relationship built yeah. of Marty and his mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that is dumb, first of all. But I really liked the fact that when they do finally kiss in the car, it is awkward, not for Marty. I mean, it's awkward for Marty, but the whole thing is awkward for Marty. But it's awkward also for his mother mm-hmm. because she feels wrong about it. Yeah. Like she didn't know Marty is not the one that is pursuing this. No, she is. And she has no idea. This is just a dude. And so as soon as she reaches a line, she backs off. And I think that's another clever way of the script kind of writes itself because that's this tricky thing to weave. Yep. And I feel like they did it a right way mm-hmm. in that particular thing. Um, they also talk about uh, going back to Coca-Cola. I was assuming that maybe Pepsi was referenced so much because of the Coca-Cola situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was wrong. And according to this Back to the Future Wikipedia page, Futurepedia, um, they were looking for product placements and things that had changed between 1955 and 1985 thus the reason they went with Pepsi not because Coca-Cola ended up dropping that movie at Columbia yeah so little fun facts yeah hashtag behind the scenes kaboom <laughs> you and your kaboom kaboom uh what about the casting of Eric Stoltz yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah, because um, he, he he actually shot enough footage. Kind of a bummer for him. It is kind of a bummer for him, but... He shot about six weeks' worth of the movie, and Zemeckis said that he didn't want to believe it wasn't going well, so he just kept shooting. That's the reason they shot so much. Ugh. He said that um, Fox 
was his first choice. Like, he wanted Michael J. Fox to play, but he was busy doing Family Ties. So he couldn't make it work, so they cast Stoltz, but there was no connection, there was no chemistry, the comedic timing wasn't there. So they eventually let him go and brought in Michael J. Fox, who said that he would go do Family Ties in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like, in the morning until the early evening, and then would shoot the movie at night. And they said that whenever he got there, things just clicked. But they also said that they did not destroy any of the Stoltz footage and that one day it would be released so people could see it. I think they've already... Didn't they already release... they released it? I think they released some of it. I think it's out there. Because I remember seeing it, like... They did, like, test footage of him, like, whenever he was in the diner. They didn't do any test footage of him whenever they were doing... I've not seen any test footage of him whenever they were testing out the car. Because I, I know that he was in the diner, and he looks... Eric Stoltz looks exactly like Michael J. Fox. Like, they, they, they're spitting image of each other. But, um, no. I'm, I, it might even be this, in, the special, uh, in the special features of the Blu-ray. It could be. It, I haven't looked at the I'm special not, features yet. I've not done that yet. But I think it is out there on YouTube somewhere. But I think it would be interesting to see. But Michael J. Fox just has such incredible chemistry. Oh, man. With everyone. There's yeah. a scene that I particularly took note where it's um, Fox, Lloyd, and... Oh, what's the mom's name? Leah, Leah, Tom- Leah Thompson. Oh. Lorraine. Yeah. Leah Thompson. Um, it's the scene where she had followed him back to Doc Brown's lab, and they're interacting. And that whole thing between um, Leah and Michael J. Fox is perfectly scripted. But what I loved was the nonverbal aspects between Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, where Christopher Lloyd is like, he circles the, the DeLorean and ends up coming back and is just like, oh, what are we going to do? And ends up Michael J. Fox is like leaning on him and they're both just so like deflated with what they have to do. And they're, yeah. they're back and forth. They're looks at each other. It's just a really good combination. Yeah. Um, they called, uh, in the documentary, they called them like Ab- Abbott and Costello worthy. Sure. I'd agree. Who yeah. are old comedians for people who don't know who they are. No, I mean, I think the chemistry, I think it was a good choice to recast Marty McFly because you had to have somebody there with some sort of chemistry. But, um, no, all in oh, all. And they needed somebody who understood comedy a little better than, mm-hmm, than, yeah. than Stoltz did. And Stoltz, what else has Stoltz done besides, you know. I, like since then? Like since Pulp Fiction. He was in Madam Secretary. Okay. That's it. Okay. Uh, I mean, he, no, he's done some stuff, but definitely nothing big. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't remember him. Like, honestly, Pulp Fiction is the last movie I remember him being in. Yeah, I mean, that's really the biggest Which is a shame. thing on the list. And also, he did that movie, Mask. That's in, like, 1987. So, so. but yeah. Uh, has Christopher Lloyd ever been young? Is that a thing? Has he always been old? I always feel like, even in Taxi, he was old. He was in, I mean, he was in, he was young in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, well, he's he's 79 now, and I would have guessed he was 79 in Back to the Future. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%, he still, he still looks very, I mean, he's spry and getting with it, but like, he, he's never looked like a young man. I mean, he would have been like, what, in his late 40s whenever he did this movie? I don't I'm, know, man. I'm, I'm assuming. That's why I talk about movies. I don't know, man. Yeah. 
No. Am I? Yeah. Mm. I don't know either. Can we just talk for a second about the car? Yeah, you want to talk about the DeLorean? The DeLorean. Yeah. What do you want to say? I think the DeLorean, I think. You you ever seen a DeLorean that's been all decked out? Yeah. Like as as the, as the, the time trip time machine? Mm-hmm. I've actually sat in it. Yeah? Yeah. When they had something down there, when they, when they had something at the circle, they they actually let you sit. Like somebody actually replicated the car, right. both inside and out. And you, you, you could sit in it if you wanted to. And for granted, it's a sports car, so it's very low to the ground. But man, oh man, do you feel good in that car. <laughs> I felt off. I I felt awesome. I felt awful. <laughs> no, I felt awesome in that car. And it just it it's it's a very interesting design. I think that like they're coming back a little bit because they're like Ireland still has all the parts, I think, from what I read. I could be wrong. But like what? Ireland still has a lot of the DeLorean parts. Oh, DeLorean itself, okay. okay. Yeah. So I mean, technically, it like Houston build Houston builds them, but like, I just think they're neat cars. I mean, everybody. I mean, not everybody, but like, they're just you could not have picked a better car to travel back in time in. It's so damn futuristic. It, yeah, it's cool because yeah, it, it has a futuristic look about it. Yeah, it doesn't look like a crazy expensive fancy car. No, it's it's approachable. And I don't know. People love those those rising doors. Mm-hmm. They said uh, <clears throat> that they used that car because of those doors. I was a main factor into it because I guess they had scripted that joke about the, the comic book where they see it initially. So they were trying to think of cars that had those kind of doors. So they used that. And then originally the time machine wasn't supposed to be a car and it wasn't mobile at all. Yeah. It was like a time ray. And then the way that Marty protected himself was essentially, what was it, the end of Kingdom of Crystal Skull, where he, like, shields himself in a refrigerator that was, like, decked out and protected. So, like, when the ray would hit the refrigerator, it wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. I feel like that's what they said they ended up doing for Crystal Skull, but I don't remember that movie well enough right off the top of my head. It was lead-lined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They also discussed about how <clears throat> There's only like 9,000 of those DeLoreans made. About 6,500 of them still exist. And that, I guess, product placement, people wanted it to change to a Mustang. Mm-hmm. And Bob Gale said, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely a rare one. And I think when most, because nobody, like DeLorean is a failed Automobile. I mean, it is a fail. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. And it's only known for being a time machine. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is anybody that sees the DeLorean automatically just is like, even if it's not decked out, that's what you think. Yeah, like you don't. It doesn't have to be decked out to see it and go time machine. And I, it's when I I would have a friend who lived in Skytook, and I would drive up to their house, and this person in Skytook owns a DeLorean every time I drive by. It was the saddest, happiest time of my life. Because um, I knew that it was there, and I knew that I couldn't have it. But no, that car is just, it's iconic. You can't you can't get over that car. It's, uh, 
I want to ride in one. I want to ride I've in never one never ridden too. in one. Yeah. One of these days, I, there's a, I swear, there are people here in this state, in this city, that have them. And I know they do. And I'm going to find... And I do, I, they do Back to the future things. And I'm going to find them. <laughs> and I'm going to ask them. It's insane that, like... That movie has had so much like influence on on you know you know things like you know DeLorean cars. Uh, what else? I'm gonna say Johnny Be Good. Like Johnny Be Good, it's had a lot of influence on Johnny Be Good. It's had a lot of influence on Huey Lewis in the News. Oh yeah, let's talk about Huey Lewis in the News for a second. Yeah, um, I learned from this Back in Time documentary. I didn't realize that The Power of Love was written for Back to the Future. In oh some okay. Ways. Uh, it was part of the whole, they approached them about doing music for the film. And yeah, Huey said that the, the power of love was the first thing they wrote. And he found it difficult to kind of write about the movie. And they were like, nah, just don't, don't do that. Just write. Yeah. Basically. And the power of love is what came out. Yeah. Cause and he said that he was worried about <coughs> writing a song called back to the future. Exactly. And yeah. Didn't, and they were like, nah. And since that was, it was written before the movie came out, it ended up being timed so perfectly that that the power of love was at the top of the charts when the movie came out. Awesome. And then he said that they the movie was such an international success. Like the the song helped fuel the movie because you could use that song as promotion. And then the movie became such a smash hit internationally that it helped fuel that song. So it was kind of like a hand in hand thing. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, you had mentioned that Huey not doing so well right now. Huey Lewis uh, just announced that the him and the news are have canceled their entire 2018 tour and all all future shows for, for indefinitely because he's uh, suffering from some hearing loss. Yep, that is uh, affecting his ability to sing. He that said that sucks. Um, uh, they think he's got some sort of uh, some sort of issue that's that's causing him to lose hearing. Uh, he says he can hear one on one and on the phone. But he can't. Uh, he can't identify pitch well in music, so he doesn't want to sing when he can't do it right. And so he's working on getting better, and hopefully he gets better soon, and they can get back to touring. What a shame! Yeah, because I sure would like to see Huey Lewis well, live. Unfortunately, I'm afraid the music was just too darn loud. <laughs> <laughs> that was. Uh, I didn't know where you were going with that, <laughs> that, was, that was, but I'm satisfied. <laughs> well uh, they were actually, they were supposed to play Tulsa next month. They were supposed to play Tulsa. Where at? Uh, River Spirit. Okay. But maybe next time. We got Tom Jones. Maybe next time. Oh, I did have, I did have a couple of questions that I, I this is one that I had never really thought of before. What? So movies ending. Marty goes back 10 minutes earlier to warn Doc about the Libyans. Mm-hmm. They have their chase. What happens to the Libyans? I know they crash into the thing, but did they die? Because if they're that dead set on killing Doc Brown, you think that they would still get out of the car after the crash and, and try to shoot him when they see that he's alive, but they just kind of go away. I I... I'm wondering if maybe that's like a deleted scene. There, there, that must be like a deleted scene in there somewhere because, yeah, that I've always wondered about that because they crash into the they crash into the one hour photo session booth, and then presumably nothing else happens to him right until after until after he goes back to the he goes back to the future, he goes to the future he 
Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I always wondered about that. Just, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that like, there's a deleted scene in there that we're not seeing. Could be. Cause yeah, that was the one thing that I was like, okay, I've never really noticed this before, but like they have a freaking rocket, rocket launcher that they're going to shoot into this man and Marty, if they couldn't, if they couldn't do it. And then uh, they just crash into this thing. So unless the rocket launcher blew up on them, which is, I guess is plausible. Uh, I just never really, that wasn't ever really resolved to my knowledge. I wonder if old man Peabody came out and shot him. <laughs> it's very possible. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the drunk dude like threw his, threw his whiskey bottle at him and. Now you're just trying get to get out. Hey, uh, come on now. The dude that played Biff, I don't remember his name. He hadn't done too much, but, and I think everybody probably knows this by now, but he has a, a video on YouTube where he sings about it. Because he talks about people getting up and asking him all these questions. And so he basically is hes a, is a stand-up bit, essentially. And so he's okay. playing guitar. Have you not seen this? No. I'll have to play it afterwards. But okay. he, plays, he plays guitar, and he basically answers all of the questions that people ask him. And he's like, I, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but he's like, is, Marty, is Michael J. Fox nice? Yeah. <laughs> well, is, is he answering it in song? Yeah. It's okay. A, it's a song. It's very funny. If you haven't seen it, uh, I highly recommend it. It's very, very funny. I think you, if you just Google Back to the Future song Biff Tannen, it'll show up. But it's very funny. Piggybacking on Huey Lewis in the News, I was very happy that that song was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. As, cool. well, as well as that screenplay. Yeah. I think it was very well deserving. And probably should have won. But I'm not the judge of those things. This... This, I, I mentioned it in the X-Files when we ended up landing on this song. This, or this movie. Um, this trilogy, for me, and we'll get into it in the final one, but, like, it's it's just perfect. Like, it really is. One through three, all solid movies. It ends on a high note. I know we'll talk about it in two and three. Like, there's a debate as to which one you like more. Um, but I, I grew up watching this trilogy over Star Wars. So for me, like, this is my trilogy. I know that everybody loves Star Wars, and I do too, but, like, this is the one that I... Mm-hmm. that hits me more, and I have my connection to. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. And I'm glad that we're doing it, but I'm sad that we're doing it because it means we can't do it again. Says you. I mean, I guess we could. We can always revisit it. We can go back to well, the future. Well, 30 years from now, we'll reassess it. Yeah, that's fair. But, do we have anything else? Do we want to try to play our games, or what do we got? Uh, I think we're. I think I'm running out. I'm running I'm out. Running st- out. I'm running out of stuff too. I, I'm. I'm out of stuff to talk about. I think we we're good until the next one. All right. Then let's play our game where we try to guess the Rotten Tomato score of Back to the Future on a one to one hundred scale. Do we have any guesses? Who would like to go first? I'm gonna go with ninety four. Okay. Um. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be difficult and make it 95. Oh man, that's what I was going to do. Nope. You're going to pick another one. I'll go 93. Ah. I'll just right around the corner of it. What do we got? Oh my goodness. I went the wrong way. It's 96. 
So ah. not, none of us were right, but you were closest. But I went again. Uh, I went again. I'm upset because I was going to do that. <laughs> well, you didn't, though. You didn't. <laughs> can I? Too bad you don't have a DeLorean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go back in time and fix it. Oh, man. Um, I, I agree with 96. That seems fair. That oh, seems definitely. very fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what we, on our our scale of one to one to five flux capacitors? I don't think we have to do this because, like, I it's five, easily five. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think we all agree that if I was going to be difficult, I'd do four point seven five. Because because it bothers me that that Michael J. Fox doesn't sing Johnny Be Good. Oh yeah, we didn't really talk about that. Oh, we didn't, oh, didn't sing. No, nah, it's not him singing. Oh, that's him playing it. I he, he, he I is, don't know. It could be him playing it. He, he is that is he is playing the guitar. That is not him singing the song, and it bothers me to this day. Okay, I don't know if he couldn't sing, or if he wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what the story is, but especially when I watched it for this recording, I went, "This is distracting to me." Mm-hmm. It was clearly not his voice, and I just don't. I don't know. So if uh, I'd give it four point seven five for that scene alone, but I'm not going to be difficult. Michael it's a J, five out of five. Michael J. Fox's performance of the song is one of the signature moments of Back to the Future. Marty's singing was dubbed by Mark Campbell. Fox played, or Fox asked guitarist Paul Hansen to teach him the precise sequence of chords. Ah, why is that happening on its own? Uh, so that it would appear that Marty's guitar playing would match with the soundtrack. However, guitarist Tim May, rather than Hanson, recorded the actual music. Hanson appeared on film as the bass guitarist for the Pinheads, according to Futurepedia. Cool. Well, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't sing it, but he didn't. And that bothers me. Either or, it's a fun movie all around. Yes, it's a very fun movie all around. Yes. You can't, you honestly can't go wrong with Back to the Future. Nope. But... Nope, and that's it for this installment of So Many Sequels, Back to the Future Part 1. We'll be back next week with Back to the Future Part 2, where we go back to the actual future future. Yeah. To 2015. Closer to our time. Which is back in time for us and Back to the Future for them. It's very confusing, (laughs) but we're going to piece it all out together next time. All right. Let's make like a tree and get out of here. That's not in the movie. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Lame.